Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. What's going on, guys? And welcome back to Watch Time. Today, we've got a bit of a different episode for you because Grace is in quarantine. She's just flown back from Canada. She's back in Sydney, but she's got to spend two weeks locked in a hotel room before she can go anywhere. So yep. today's episode is Grace stranded in a hotel room. <laughs> We're going to be uh, quick firing on a couple of brand new news topics. And then we've also got a segment that we didn't show to anyone yet, which is us interrogating Lachlan from last week about Pokemon cards and what it all means. Grace, how's quarantine? Quarantine is okay. So yeah, guys, for those of you that don't know, I've flown back to Australia. Australia has a mandatory hotel quarantine when you come into the country. So they basically take you to a random hotel. They don't tell you where you're going to go. Thank goodness I've got a pretty good room. And basically, I'm in here. I'm not allowed to take a step out. No fresh air, no nothing for two weeks. So thank goodness I've, like, you know, been able to keep busy with work and stuff. But it's a pretty crazy experience. Um, I'm one week in exactly today. So I'm... Oh, Elliot, like I'm literally so excited to just be in the same room when we record again. I feel like we've done an okay job, like making it work for the last few and, months. But And to just see people. Oh my God. Seriously, I've been in contact with like close contact with like less than 20 people, I reckon, yeah. in the last eight months. And yeah like i haven't eaten inside a restaurant for eight months like it's gonna be it's gonna be weird and you've got back to australia right as we pretty much killed covid almost entirely i think it's like we're down to only yes. a couple of cases today so everything's kind well of going back i'm to not normal. bringing it with me i've had like three negative tests in the last week they're pretty they're pretty like serious Aggressive. on testing for it yeah yeah Alrighty, well, let's jump into it. We got three news topics to cover, and then we got Pokemon cards. And it's been a it's been an exciting week. Like, there's been a lot of stuff happening in the industry. And hot off the press this morning, only a few hours old as we record this, is the fact that drum roll, Cyberpunk got delayed again. We love to see it. It keeps happening, and it's just it's happened again. So give me a little context on this because I'm not familiar. Yeah. So I actually, I feel like I'm probably actually going to forget one of the delays. Cyberpunk, one of the most anticipated games ever, really. Literally, like I, I would say the anticipation around Cyberpunk has been huge by the same people that made Witcher 3. It's supposed to be one of the most incredible games ever from everything we've seen. It looks like it's going to be one of the most incredible games ever. I believe it was initially supposed to come out in November of 2019. It then okay. got, uh, and I could I could be getting one of these dates wrong. Then it got delayed to, I believe, like January, February, March of 2020. Then yeah. early 2020, it got delayed again to November 20th, roughly, of 2020. So literally in like 15, 20 days. Uh, and then this morning, they came out and said, hey, um, we need like another month. So it's now coming out on like December 10th. 
Damn. Supposedly. I feel like I feel like that's just the games in like has any game really come out on schedule ever? No, though? a lot of yes, a lot of games. A lot of games do come oh. out on schedule actually. <laughs> um and like don't get me wrong, I, I think it's it's been interesting seeing the community perspective shift because I think initially everyone's like, you know what? Really good move. Not enough developers these days take the time to make sure their game releases in a good state. Oh, that's all for them for delaying it. Then they delayed the second time. People were like, you know what? It's fine. We, we want to, like, it's going to be an incredible game. We want to make sure it's perfect. This extra year of development, it's all for the best. This <laughs> one really pissed people off because it's only 20 days away. And here's the thing that I didn't consider because um, I'm a privileged YouTuber who, you know, doesn't think about it. But um, a lot of people, when games they're excited about are coming out, literally, they put in for leave. Like, they go to their boss, like, hey, just so you know, boss, like, I've, oh. I'm, I'm going to take, like, uh, December or, you know, November 20th to November 25th as my annual leave um, because this sick game's coming out and I want to play it. So a lot of people had, because it's only 20 days out, so they oh, put wow. in their annual leave and they got, like, a week off or however long off from the day that Cyberpunk comes out till a week later. And now the game's not coming out. So now... They're stuck with a week off that they don't have anything oh, for. Oh, that actually and, sucks. Yeah. And and the crazy thing is, and I think this is where the biggest mismanagement is from them, is number one, uh, waiting till this close to release to do it. Yeah. But the other big thing, um, in my opinion at least, is that uh, on, their, on their social account, someone actually tweeted them yesterday saying... Hey, at Cyberpunk, just about to put in my annual leave, uh, you know, to take five days off when the game gets released. Like, do you extra special promise no tapesies, backsies that the game is actually coming out on the 20th? And they <gasps> replied, yes, 100% guaranteed. So there was no. clearly, a, because, because internally they must have known that this is something that could of happen. Course. And there was clearly not very good internal communication. Apparently, the rumors are that it came as a shock as well to a lot of the developers. They didn't even know it was going to get delayed uh, until the letter came out this morning. So long story short, uh, don't get me wrong. I think Cyberpunk's going to be a really good game. Uh, but really I do show. I do think they've really bungled this final delay. And I think they've lost oh. a lot of community goodwill in doing it. Oh. Um, I'm all, I'm all like... for... I'm all for you know, making sure games are perfect when they come out. But yeah, bit of a bungle. Yeah. I feel like after this year as well, and just pandemic things, people are like, not here. Like people are relying on the small wins of 2020. Yeah, and it's literally. like, if a game's coming out, if something's meant to be coming out, and then it's off schedule, people are just like, no, <laughs> like literally. not this year. <laughs> like there's nothing else that I'm looking forward to. No, a hundred percent. I mean, like I, I think the, uh, the the good thing that people can look forward to, and actually this is almost it, it, the thing that always frustrates me about gaming is that we have basically nothing get released for like the whole year, and then it comes to November, and it's like bah, 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 like every big game comes out within like two weeks of each other because that's when the new console launches as well. But yeah. the yeah the the real I guess good thing to take away from this is we've still got Watch Dogs Legion which is coming out today or tomorrow. Then we've got Assassin's Creed uh, Odyssey that's coming out a few days later. Then you got Call of Duty that's coming out right after that. So don't get me wrong, none of those are cyberpunk and none of them look quite as cool as cyberpunk. But there are like other relatively interesting games to kind of sate your hunger 
for new things to play for at least another month, which is how long it's going to be till the game comes out now. So yeah. that's my take on Cyberpunk. It sucks, but there's some other cool stuff to play. And if you took annual well, leave, shit, that sucks. That really sucks. Damn, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, like, annual leave, that's not mm, not fun. Especially when, like, no one's going on holidays this year. Like, people aren't traveling. Like, so people are just like, yeah, I'm going to take my annual leave and, like, play some games for five days. Oh, and, that's, yeah. And speaking of cool things coming out, I got an Xbox Series X and none of you do. Well, pro probably oh. not. Oh. I can't open it yet, but it's in a box. It's sitting there. I'll open it soon. Oh, um, I love that you've just placed it in the background, though, to, like, oh, subtle flex on that's, the YouTube video. No, viewers. no, no. This is just, it's that's my that's my shelf where I keep all the things <laughs> that arrive in the office. Um, <gasps> all right. Next topic is we finally the found out what happened to that Call of Duty team. I don't know if you guys oh, were... Oh, my goodness. Yeah. If you guys were listening well, to the episode over the last week or two, uh, we kept talking about this really, really weird thing that happened where um, Optic Hex, or no longer Optic Hex, bought the, like, Call of Duty the license, right. the rights to the Call of Duty team that Optic had, which didn't make sense because he's now with Energy, and Energy already has a Call of Duty team. It was all very confusing. Uh, and now it's come out that uh, the 100 Thieves actually bought the Call of Duty franchise. And, yeah. they, now, and they now have an LA-based team called, I believe, the LA Thieves. So yes. they actually, which was a big win for them, I think, because uh, I know a lot of brands really hate the fact that if you buy a Call of Duty license, you know, Energy, I believe their COD team is called like the Huntsman or something. So like yeah. you build up this big esports brand and then you have to call your COD team something totally unrelated, which is really frustrating. So 100 Thieves clearly got a big win where they were allowed to call the team the Thieves, uh, which in some ways would suggest to me that Blizzard's getting a bit desperate with their franchise. Like, they're no longer able to hold the whole moral high ground of, like, no, 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 it's our way or the highway. They are now kind of being, like, far out. We we need to, like, get this franchise going. I think, yeah, my read into it has been, and keep in mind that absolutely none of this has been publicly disclosed yet. So this is all, like, rumoured still, technically. Oh, yeah. Um, no one from 100 Thieves, no one from Hex has like actually publicly spoken on it yet, but apparently it's like fairly reputable sources that are saying that this is the case. And it makes sense with the information that we do know. And like, damn, you gotta say, LA Thieves is a sick name. Like that is a great name for a team, like for a franchised city-based team, LA Thieves. Like yeah. I'll, I'll get behind that a hundred percent. I think, the way that they've been able to get it isn't necessarily, and again, like it's hard to say because none of this is public yet. I don't think it's, it was necessarily the league that loosened the rules around naming. I think it was a very um, lucky juggle around the fact that the team was already the LA based franchise and the optic name had been sold to Hex, which he didn't um, sell with the team. So 100 Thieves got to name it Thieves. But, but they weren't anyway, called the LA Optic team. They had some other random name. Oh, Elliot, you're testing my knowledge on podcasts. Uh, we'll oh, come back no, to you guys yeah, when it's uh, all confirmed. Yeah, 100%. This is Call of Duty team flexing a bit, I think. Like, as in flexing, not yeah. in a good way, but in like a, oh, okay, like we need to be a bit more understanding of these franchises. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, no, but super but interesting. Really regardless. interesting, especially considering that, um, you know, Nade, Nade Shot basically came out at the start of the season last year and said that, like, hey, look, the financial commitment for these teams is just too much. We can't justify it. And up until a couple months ago, like, they had done interviews basically saying that they weren't prepared to make the financial commitment that it required and there was no way to see um, – no way to see a payoff on it. Obviously, like 100 Thieves is going really rapidly. Things happen fast. So there must have been a change of heart. Um, but yeah. yeah, super, super interesting. And I think it like definitely cements them further as really wanting to be like a, one a very major player. Yeah, one of the big boys for sure, 100%. for sure. Um, and trying to think what else. Uh, the third oh, yes, topic. Oh, oh my God. I love this one. If you're on Twitter recently, you probably would have seen a lot of replies and a lot of people ratioing, ratioing uh, a certain a certain tweet uh, from the creative director of Google Stadia. Now you would think creative director, that is like you are in charge of the vision. You know, you got to, what is this industry? Where is it going? Where are we going to, you know, lead the company? And uh, the creative director of Google Stadia tweeted this. Streamers worried about getting their content pulled because they used music they didn't pay for should be more worried by the fact that they're streaming games they didn't pay for as well. It's all gone as soon as publishers decide to enforce it. The real truth is streamers should be paying the developers and publishers of the games that they stream. They should be buying a license like any real business and paying for the content that they use. Now, number one. This started. The balls on this guy to not delete the tweet. I actually applaud him. I applaud him. He did not delete the tweet. He let it sit there and he li he literally just stood there like a guy in a movie just getting shot repeatedly in slow-mo and he just, he ate it. And I respect that. But here's the really interesting thing, which I think is worth clarifying to the audience beforehand, is uh, that, yeah, legally actually speaking, um, developers are able to copyright strike anyone playing their game. Uh, a lot of people don't know that. If you are playing a game on... YouTube or Twitch, technically, uh, that is the copyright, that, that is like content that can be claimed by whoever developed that game. So there's been instances before where someone left like a, made like a negative review on a game and it got copyright striked. Uh, there are also big instances like uh, Nintendo until recently used to literally fully monetize and claim any video that was made on one of their games. So if you made a Smash Bros video, Nintendo would and they come through and they just full claim, take all the money from it. And then they uh, slowly have been transitioning out of that. But um, yeah, so essentially what this guy is saying is that you're playing their games, you're using their games to entertain an audience and therefore you should be paying the developers for that, right? The same way that you pay for a music license. I saw one tweet saying that like there's... Every day on Twitter, there's one main character and that's the person you don't want to be. And today it was that guy. And I mean, the real reason that this started so much of a shitstorm is because it shows no recognition or regard for the fact that actually streamers and creators can be an incredibly important part of the ecosystem and are an incredibly important part of the ecosystem. It's why game publishers pay creators to create content it's why many would say games like fortnite have been so successful because they clearly know and recognize the value of people playing their games on streams and creating content 
by the way that they have creator codes or the way that they will implement creator skins in game. Like there is a huge value to publishers, undeniably so, that comes with people with people streaming. But Elliot, I think what I find the funniest part of this was the plot twist. So I also saw this tweet. I remember I woke up, I like scrolled through Twitter, I saw it and I saw it was getting a lot of interaction. And it was one of those moments where I was like, oh, this is clearly made by someone that just doesn't quite understand the ecosystem. And is like probably like a traditional business person that's like come into the gaming world and like is taking a hot take or something. And then I clicked on his bio and his bio, as you said, said creative director of Google Stadia. And I was like, oh no, oh, this is not good. This is really not good. Um, The funny plot twist is apparently he is not creative director of Google Stadia. He is creative director of a game studio based out of Montreal that Google Stadia bought last year. Uh... And so since tweeting this, it's clearly caused some internal tension. He's changed his Twitter bio. It no longer says creative director of Google oh, Stadia. And it also, says, it also says all opinions are my own. <laughs> He's Australian? Is he? I don't know. So it says he's based in Montreal, but he's now got an Australian flag at the end of his bio. Interesting. How so this interesting. isn't actually the first time that he's come He's come under um, hot water. A game that he was previously a part of as well um, copped some criticism for not having any female skins or characters in game, um, which apparently he he put down to the fact that it was it was too difficult to do. So... He's a little bit of a controversial character. It's not the first time he's had an unpopular hot take. Um, But it was unbelievable the interaction that this got. And I think he really just sort of came after a community that wasn't going to sit there and take it. I think the craziest part of the whole thing, or not the craziest part, but the most interesting part is you can understand at a very shallow level, at like a very, sorry, very surface level, where that mentality comes from creator mm-hmm. is using a game to entertain people therefore the person who made the game should be getting paid which like don't get me wrong if a developer were to come along and be like yep we're gonna um like you know you need to pay us if you want to play our game or, or you can't play it or we're gonna monetize your video exactly like nintendo did i'm not gonna sit there and be like wow you can't do that they can absolutely do that i just think they're dumb like uh, yeah i think um I think that ultimately is the takeaway is that they're just dumb. Like you, like it's not what you can and you can't do, but I think what makes that more concerning is it just shows a fundamental lack of understanding yeah. about the way the industry works and the way to create it's a short-sighted. successful game. People Among Us is not the biggest game in the world right now because it is like, don't get me wrong. It is a great game, but it would not be even close to what it is right now without, YouTubers and streamers picking it up. There's a reason Absolutely. it sat on 20, 30 concurrent players for years. And then all of a sudden, yeah. bam, blew up. YouTubers, Twitch streamers, they pick it up. It's not that one person is taking anything from another person or that someone should be paying this or that or whatever it is. It's it's very much, in my eyes, the relationship between game developers and creators. It's very symbiotic. It's totally you scratch my back, I scratch yours. 
we you give us a cool platform to create our content on and in return our content promotes what your game is everyone yeah. wins and i think that's been the way it is and i think that that is the way that it will continue to be and i can't see absolutely and i think to me it reminds me of um actually a point that you made back in april about quibi the app that oh by the way we haven't even touched on that but r.i.p quibi it's dead it's been yeah. announced that they're shutting it down which is super interesting but it really reminds me of a point that you made about Quibi in April, which I really thought was good. And you I said that points. there's a fundamental issue with Quibi where they weren't allowing people to screenshot or screen record anything from the app. And on mm. first glance, you're like, yeah, okay, makes sense. You should have to pay for the content. That's their business model. But it completely inhibited the ability for there to be a situation like there was with Tiger King, which was also massive at the time, where yeah. it was just completely memed and it was all over social media and there were bloody TikTok dances to it and everyone knew about it and everyone wanted to watch it because they didn't want to feel left out. Yeah. And I think this take reminded me of that. It's like they're just thinking about the short-term bit rather than recognizing that there's a potential, yeah, as you said, symbiotic relationship where there's going to be huge benefits for everyone involved in the fact that people are talking about it and creating, you know, secondary content on it. State of the industry. State of the industry. And and just quickly before we roll into our part two of interview with Lachlan, Quibi did shut down. It announced this week that they clearly hadn't seen the uptick since since they started that they wanted to. And they realized that it was it was a long way off. And obviously they, you know, recognize that the pandemic maybe played some part in that um how much we'll never know but that there was also something pretty fundamentally flawed with the business model which i think elliot like don't want to say we called it but we did call it from imagine one. <laughs> being one of the people who put a billion dollars into it you well apparently would... they're returning about 375 million of it oh to of the of the two billion that they took in funding wow that's super nice <laughs> far out that's that'll really make you feel better and and sorry that is before that they've i, I heard also though that there are people suing them for stealing proprietary information. They've probably got a lot of unpaid bills. I don't. I'd. I'd be questioning that three seventy five making it all the way back. Yeah. But you heard well, it here first, ladies and gentlemen. We were the only people in the world revolutionary when we said that we thought Quibi could have some potential flaws. No one else called it. No one else in the world. No, everyone. Everyone knew that. that I thing mean, was I think fail it's really interesting because there was a saying before Quibi came out. And Jeffrey Katzenberg, the guy that started it, there was a saying in Hollywood that was don't bet against Jeffrey Katzenberg because he'd had so many wins in his career. And I think while we think that basically anyone under the age of 30 or anyone that's sort of familiar with a lot of short form content um, and creators were pretty confident that there was some pretty major flaws, um, you know, a lot of people really didn't know that. And I think it'll be interesting to see what he does as his next move because I think surely the performance of Quibi will put a, put a bit of a taint on that saying and maybe, you know, some people will bet against Jeffrey Katzenberg. Uh, you know what? Honestly, I think if I had like a reputation where people said never, never bet against Muselk, whatever he does, it's going to succeed. It might make me stumble into some bad decisions. So you probably yeah. get a bit of a, a God complex. It's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. But to give them some credit, um, nothing happens without people testing the waters and trying new things. And I think it shows that if you're going to try and compete in the streaming wars, you could have all the money, you could have a roller deck of names behind you, and it still doesn't guarantee your success. And yeah. I think in many ways, that's pretty crazy. In many ways, it's also super exciting because I think it's showing that traditionally entertainment was an industry where your connections, your wealth really had an impact on your ability to succeed. And I think 2020, that that correlation isn't necessarily there. And there's more opportunities both for major players to succeed without that and for small creators to be able to find an audience um, yep, like agree. on TikTok or whatever. Like I think it's, it's, yeah, it's an exciting time. And now we are pleased to share with you the second part of our interview with Lockie where we interrogated him aggressively on the state of Pokemon cards and why they're worth so much and why he owns so many and lots of other cool, exciting things. Charizard. Let's just back up yeah. for a second because you're obviously long time Pokemon passionate. Like yeah. this is not a new thing for you. And I know like it's obviously hit some sort of social media, like total having a moment right now. Um, but you have been doing this low key behind the scenes for like what, six months now. I feel like you've been like really into it. Yeah. But what do you think? Like, t I mean, for the people that, don't know anything about it like where has this come from like why do you love it and why do you think it's like having such a moment right now i mean right now it's different to how it was even last week it is very rapid changing the landscape of the whole like pokemon card market but so i, I obviously like had pokemon cards as a kid um but back when i was a kid especially like when pokemon cards were a thing um it was like uh, like back in that exact time period my parents like were having a lot of financial trouble so i couldn't get cards ever really i think i'd maybe get like five packs a year type deal like it's very rare for me to get like pokemon cards as a kid i loved it and when i got it it was an event type deal and so like that and like childhood like at school we take our cards to school and we trade and i remember at one point i had like an actual venusaur um and that was like the height of how like the best like because it was it was always at like, the hierarchy and it, it's the same as it yeah, is like, today first edition though no nah, i don't first think edition? i don't think australia had first edition i very rarely saw them ever i, I don't know if like they would, the print run never got here or if it's just at my school no one ever had it but i never saw first edition i think i saw it once and everyone was like yo look at that stamp that's sick um but dude imagine all the people i just had a really funny thought imagine all the people thinking back to their childhood in school remembering the time that they were like flicking their shiny charizard card around the room yeah. just like frisbeeing it at people like they spill their juice box on it yeah. they just be like ah. you'd always go around school holding your cards like this you'd have them in a deck like this these are just some random cards but you'd always have you'd go around school you'd put like rubber band around it to keep them all nice and tight you have your best card at the front this is where your charizard would be and you'd be like, yo, like, what do you got? Like, 
yeah like this is what i got like type deal you're like oh yeah it's sick and you'd like you'd hand your cards to someone and they'd like pick it up and be like you obviously got to trust them right because definitely kids did try to steal stuff and uh would be like yeah yeah sick all right like trade for this like let's, let's do a trade and like that's just how you do it like it was just like such a such a cool experience and the young hustle the young hustle legit and so now it's kind of, and, and, and i find it funny because the hierarchy is the same as it is today charizard's the goat blastoise the second venus was arguably third but it's still kind of yikes so sometimes chancy goes on top of it but um because it just looks ugly like it, it all comes down to visual appeal like this looks visually sick like the actual card itself as a piece of art looks sick this looks like a fat toad like just Wait, not... is that a first edition? No, nah, these are Japanese, sword? random Japanese cards I have. What made you get back into it? I was chatting with Alex at the end of last year. He came to Toronto and he came with a jungle booster box. And like, he gave me a couple packs. And I, and I was just like, wow, this is sick. Like, this is so dope. Like, I want, I want to open some more. Like, I want to get some, I want to get some my own packs. <laughs> like, this is dope. And so he was trying to help me find like places to buy it. Um, and I think I pulled the trigger when chatting with Alex around like March, April, May this year. I just come back from Japan and I was trying to find cards in Japan the whole time. And I, bro, I have a photo of me in like a Mandarake store, which is like the uh, reselling Pokemon store that uh, they, they do anime, manga, a whole lot of things, but they have a category for Pokemon. And I have a photo of just like some absolute rare cards selling for peanuts in today's prices. And I, and I remember I was like, oh, I'm gonna, I should buy one thing just so I can have like memory of like Osaka and everything. I didn't buy it because I didn't know which one to get. I didn't have any cash and cash was kind of hard to get. So I didn't do it. I was like, damn, I should have done that, man. Cause like those cards are worth like 10 X what they are now. But, and that was only start of the year. Like that's how crazy it's all gone. But um, yeah, I pulled the trigger and I bought, I bought this bad boy. Spence, what's it gonna be? This. Oh, like wait, 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 what? podcast just becomes so shown this is this yeah so so say it audibly for the people listening on spotify so i bought a uh a base set unlimited booster box um around wait that's not the same one as logan no nah, right? it's the same one but it doesn't have first edition so it means it's like 100 grand less back when i bought it so i bought oh, this so it's only so it's only 100 grand cool but these are now worth you can't buy one for less than 25 grand right now I bought it for 12 grand in around May, June, I think is when I bought it. Um, and I bought it for record price at the time. I bought it for 12 and I thought I got finessed because the last one sold for like 10, 10, 11. And I was like, oh, I've just been finessed. But so this is actually empty. I posted it on Twitter and I really shouldn't have because this is a really good mint box, but you only live once. Um, it's all filled with like old packs that I've already opened and stuff. Like these, these, these aren't, you got nothing in them. Um, you know what I... You know, I thought it was super funny. I, I I don't know if it was that box that you were talking about, but we were chatting about how you bought a whole bunch of packs. I don't know if they were the first editions or what. Yeah. But you were like, oh yeah, I got like these 12 packs, bro. And like, I'm going to open like one of them on my birthday and I'm going to save the rest. Got to your birthday, you opened all of them. So like... like you, didn't, you didn't save one. You had no self-control. It's so, like this one. This one is a first edition pack that I opened. It's yeah. one of those ones you're talking about because I put them in this box after. Um... Yeah, like, uh, definitely, have? definitely spent, like, as I opened the box, which, by the way, mad piss, like, didn't get a Charizard. Like, there's, like, a reoccurring theme in my life where I can't get a Charizard. Like, it's actually kind of like a chase <laughs> and a hunt. Um, I, I, don't have, I don't have a Charizard. And I was like, I'll, I'll buy a box, get a Charizard. 
I got a Blastoise. I got a Venusaur. I did not get a Charizard. I got two Nine Tails. So there's only two Fire cards. There's only two Red cards in the whole box. And my last two Holographic cards pulled up from the bottom. It was red. I was like, oh, is it? Is it? Nine Tails. And I had one more pack left. It was red. I was like, oh, this has to be it. And there's another Nine Tails. And I was actually like, I was like <laughs> race quit, man. I was like, I'm done with this. Um, so I was like, May, June. And uh, then I've just kept, I got, I was like so addicted to it. I just kept buying boxes, kept buying boxes. But like, I got like six or seven boxes over there. I had um, Rob's mom over in Canada pick up some boxes for me. It's like sourcing them was like really hard, uh, like back three months ago. But you were really, you were really getting them because you just loved it and you wanted to collect them. And yeah. you know, it was like art. It was like something. Yeah, the way the way you know, I looked like at obviously it, obviously done really well. It was like something a way to spend your money on something you're passionate about. No, that's exactly it. Like the way my whole like thought process was that when I was spending like these absurd amounts for cards was that. I wasn't like I'm not gonna sell anything that I've got here unless it's doubles and then I might sell them. But like I, I genuinely just want to collect them. And I think I talked to you and Rob like ages ago, like how I had this vision of like getting all of my favorite Pokemon and like framing them all. Um, and that the vision has kind of changed a little bit because I, I, I don't know because like originally I was like oh I'm just gonna buy the PSA tens and then crack them out of the case and then put them in a frame because I don't want the PSA branding. It looks ugly to me like I, I want that for the car i don't want it for some arbitrary grade which is kind of a joke too because you'll buy psa 10s i've got a psa 10 sitting here explain what a psa 10 so a psa is. is uh i don't know what it stands for something sports authenticator um i don't know what the p stands for but um they're like the big brand that uh grade the cards and they're being like flooded right now because everyone's sending in just bulk amount of cards to them but they, they grade your card from 1 to 10, 1 being the worst, 10 being the best, 10 being the gem mint. And 10, it's kind of like just the way it is. A 10 is better than a 9. But imagine you're the guy there and you got a card that's like a borderline 9, mm. almost a 10. And you and whichever way you lean, like the centering, like it, it's like basically a 10, but there's like a fraction of a millimeter, could be a 9. And you're like... Whichever way I decree changes the value of this card by like a hundred grand. Yeah, that's that's the Charizard. It's a hundred grand between a nine and a ten, and yeah. it's so dumb because you look at like the like so the grades on the card. I don't have a PSA card with me because I moved all my PSA card. Like I moved all my Pokemon cards out of here because it was getting too much. Um, but uh, the 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 older serial numbers on the cards they had different grading standards back then. So in in the one to two million like first cards that PSA ever graded. You'll look at the cards and they're so inconsistent. Like I know P like there's Charizard PSA 10s that are off center as hell and would guaranteed modern day grade now be worth a nine. But because 10 years ago, PSA gave him a 10, it's PSA 10. But it's not as good as a modern day PSA 10 grade. So that's why it gets really yeah. stupid because you'll pay for a PSA 10 card thinking, oh yeah, it's got PSA 10. But then you, you look through the card. I got a card, it's got a massive dent in the corner. PSA 10. Like... It's just that's that's why i don't trust the whole grading thing of it all it's like there's there's one company called bgs so i think do like probably better grading they do like half grades as well so like elliot if you're in between you're a nine and a half like whereas psa yeah. they rarely do half grades but they don't do nine and a halfs from what i've seen they only do like eight and a half seven and a halfs but and so yeah i weird. know you and i were messaging about this like a month yeah. ago and it was when 
Logan posted yeah. on Instagram that he was starting to buy cards. And I and I messaged you because we've spoken, like, you and me about, about your Pokemon card collection. Yeah. And I was like, is this for real? Yeah. And you're you're you had a pretty strong reaction. I, I was like, <laughs> I, I was like, yeah, it's de- it's got to be real because like I imagine he's like literally in the same shoes as me. He's probably bought like a box, bought some cards, had a lot of fun with it, seeing the uptick of the growth. Because if you look at the market in the last six, like from that, I think when it was like August, if you had a look at the last eight months, yeah. it had a massive boom in like March, April, where prices just went crazy, and it did it again like last week when Logan Paul did the whole box deal thing which i knew was going to happen so i did a lot of purchasing before logan paul did the the live stream because i was like all right this is kind of like the last time cards will be on sale so like get in now um and i bought a whole bunch of like japanese stuff because i like opening the packs but the problem is prices are set up in a way where it is a very bad gamble to open the packs you probably shouldn't ever open the packs because more times than not you will actually lose money and that's that's the thing. It's literally gambling. Whereas if you don't open it, it keeps the mystery. And it could be worth it. It could be worth it. So uh, mm. I've been buying a lot of Japanese packs because they're like a third of the price and there's a holo in every pack. So it's like, whereas in the English one, it's one every three packs. And you can weigh the packs, but people on eBay scam. They're like, oh, this is a heavy pack. And they send you a light pack type deal. Oh, it's unweighed. It's all bullshit. Like it's it's definitely a light pack every time. Like you buy one on eBay. Yeah, every time weight. like it's unweighed. Yeah, it's like it's coming in light. You already know, it. unless it's like verified sellers and stuff. And there are a few like legit guys that do it. But like if you don't know this guy, you do not buy unweighed pack ever because you're getting a light. So do you feel like do you feel like Logan's kind of um like artificially ruined slash inflated the market because because he's been promoting it so much yeah the market is quite small it's like open to fluctuations now suddenly stuff that you were buying for like five grand a few months ago is like 20 grand yeah legit especially with like the first edition base set like the the, the set he opened on his live stream it's definitely frustrating especially for like those hardcore collectors that don't have a lot of disposable income but just want to collect for the sake of it it's definitely become like a money game now it's it's just who's got the most money can buy it and and sometimes you can't like the guy that uh has a lot of the charizards gary from porn stars yeah like he doesn't ever want to sell them and i'm even surprised he sold one of logan paul um but yeah like no one wants to let go of their collection so it's just who well because they're very finite especially those higher psa 10s there's only a handful there's only 40 of the charizards um so really so it's like whoever has them has the sets the price and if they don't want to get rid of them they don't want to get rid of them so until the market keeps offering what they want to get to this arbitrary number which just goes into the same it's getting into the same like kind of realm as like actual art it's like it's just worth as much as how much someone's going to pay for it and there's no and the way it works is you go on ebay you go the sold listings and what it sells for that is now the quote-unquote price no one will sell it for less. And the problem with that is you have a lot of like illegitimate, but even illegitimate deals. Like like you'll have shill bids that someone would like, there was a Pikachu base set, like unlimited, which means not rare, like literally out of this box, like the Pikachu, the common card for it in a PSA, sold, uh, PSA 10 sold last night for 1.2K US, um, a common card. That is stupid. Like that's what the first edition one was doing like a couple months ago. So like the prices don't make sense. But I, I'm just, I'm probably not going to buy much more from this point on, I think. Like, I, I think it. he's, I think he's g it up a bit 
aggressive like i think he's yeah too aggressive i feel like there's out. underlying legitimacy he, to like his like yeah fascination to the hobby but there's also like business there is so much just like clear like aggressively trying to drive up the price like when he opened that video where he bought the psa 10 charizard yeah for 160 grand he was like he was like guys these are an in like an investment like this yeah. card is going to be worth five million dollars in <laughs> in four years you know? like, it's like bro like yeah. it's like actually no it won't I'm sorry, and I would love to eat my words on this. It won't be worth $5 million. Sure. No, he didn't say $5 million. He go. said a million, didn't he? I'm pretty sure he said He's, multiple million. He said uh, the bit that I heard was a million over two to three years. And I believe that. I reckon the Charizard Pierce 10 will be worth a million in three, three to four years. I, I could see that happening. You, you're going to go buy one? No, because I can't freaking find one that's selling. I would. I wanted to buy one for a long time, but I couldn't find anyone that was selling it. And then now you're buying nines for like 70 grand of what the old tens were. And it's like... Yeah, but now, now I, I don't know. It's just like I, I got like I got a sick collection. I'm gonna make some art pieces out of what I've got. Like I got all of the crystal cards, and I had to spend a pretty penny on that. I think that collection there cost me about like, like right, forty. What's million. the value? Yeah, like what's the value of someone's? Like what would be the value of Logan's collection? Like is how's it stack? I don't know what Logan has, and that's a lot of like that's the other thing as well. A lot of the OG like Pokemon guys. They have so much that they don't even tell you what they got because they'll crash. They they literally can single handedly crash the market. Um, you know what? You know what's kind of crazy is it's it's almost like you know, and it, it's it sounds so freaking weird to compare it to this, but it's actually not that dissimilar to like you know we talk about uh, Elon Musk if he tweets out I think Tesla stock is overvalued, yeah. bam, wipes billions off the market overnight not that differently logan paul with enough following and with enough like notoriety now in the pokemon card collector world if he like says yeah i bought this pack for 200 grand now that pack will be worth 200 grand yep. to a degree like they are that like they can just dictate the price not even by what reality is but just by what they say yeah which is insane yeah like it, it's just it influences power and you can what you say to enough people like especially with the reach that logan yeah. has it's like this is just how it is and like that's why i held off making any pokemon content because i knew i would like in in a way push the market up so i just because I, I like buying the cards i like buying everything so i didn't say anything ever and i, I could have made a lot of content about because is there like yeah is there like part of you that's kicking yourself that you you haven't like do you feel like there's a future in pokemon card content like I, I, more mainstream than there has been i feel like there is like i, I definitely knew like the box break with logan paul was going to be a massive hit that's why i bought a pack because it's like it's going to be a culture moment um and like getting that charizard <laughs> would be like culture but instead i got a light pack uh, but I got good on the comments. Really. I made my money back on the pack, I think. Uh, actually, no, I made a lot of money. Bulbasaur, 30 grand. So, you know, got it up. That was the other guy. Oh, the guy, what? The guy on the podcast yeah, was like, was oh, the Bulbasaur's 30 grand. It's like big meme. It's not 30 no, grand. It's not worth 30 grand. Not worth I don't know grand. how. Wait, was that the collector guy who claims to know everything about them? I think he knows a lot about the cards, but he's like yeah, kind but of like on Team Logan Paul to like push the, the one, prices up. Was he the one who said it was worth 30 grand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like, yeah, it's 30 grand. Like, Bro, I feel like that's 101. Yeah. Like that, you got you to gotta know, like, any... If a car's <laughs> pushing that value, like, you should know. Yeah. Nah, it's not even close. It's like four grand. Like, the, like that's how much... There was, like, a listing online of, like, someone selling the card for four grand at the time. Um, but it's good memes. But, yeah, like, the hobby and everything around it is super cool. I, I'm still collecting, like, a bunch of Japanese cards. Like, I've just moved explicitly to Japanese because I find it just cooler because the cards are technically older like this card right here 
is uh, I think it's 1996, but the English one started 1999. So this is three years older than the print run of English cards, um, and you can get it for like a fraction of the price. So I don't really care too much about the language. I know what the Pokemon is, so looks kind of cooler. It's cheaper. So that's what I'm like buying right now. Uh, I've been buying a lot of that, but I think I'm on my I'm, I'm on my way out for like the hobby as as it goes. Like I just think like the price is just getting too ridiculous that I don't really want to like keep buying into it like i'm gonna get my sets i'm gonna make my crystal i'm getting my crystal stuff framed up when i get my last card in charizard um i'm gonna like frame that up and that'll be cool and then i'm gonna do like that original piece that i spoke about grace where i'm gonna get like all of like my 151 and do that and then uh a few other pieces as well but like not not gonna go who knows let's be honest uh, there's a big auction coming up like <laughs> next couple months so two months from now lachlan's uploading exclusively pokemon yeah content <laughs> like, i suppose if like going back to what we said about like regrets i maybe regret not filming myself opening up the boxes and stuff because that is content like literally that's what looking for did he opened up a box and yeah. i opened up like some pretty expensive boxes over there that i'm just like looking at that are just like the boxes now uh, and i'm like damn like and i'm looking at right now by the way if i didn't open those boxes i would have made like a lot of money i would have made like 100 grand minimum if i didn't open those boxes but but like yolo i feel like you're i feel like in many ways though although you're like a creator and like an influencer or whatever you're also a really private person like i feel like you of, of most people like you're not putting a whole lot about your personal life like i know you you know like we've spoken about like how you love having those moments like having a beer with your brother and like yeah like, up those that's what we do and stuff and like that's such a nice moment like yeah you don't want to like yeah, film I, that i feel like you're not the kind of person that's like looking for content in every aspect of your life yeah no like that that's what we do like me and my brother we'd like make an old-fashioned like we uh put a jungle booster box down we'd get this bad boy up it was like it became a meme by the end like if this bad boy came up you're having a good time because we'd weigh out all the heavy packs we put all the light packs to the side and we'd send them off to get grading because like that's just like an, from an, a somewhat investment standpoint is if you're going to open a box which is dumb in the first place at least don't open up the light packs because it's not worth it most of the times um so i put those to the side and just yeah rip through them and relive it that's that's what it's about and that's why the sealed products will always forever keep going up to astronomical prices because they are completely finite and diminishing. Like every day, more vintage cards are being like opened. Like that's just how it is. So if there was a smart bet, it'd be buying a first edition base set box like the one Logan did because that's always going to be the nuts of like the whole series. Um, but they are now worth 400 grand because Logan said they're worth 400 grand. He kind of shot himself in the foot with that one because he's trying to buy another one now and no one's selling to less than 400 grand. <laughs> Insane. Oh, Insane. yeah, you should have bought multiple. Yeah, you should have bought multiple. Like, what do you think was going to happen? <laughs> like, your marketing oh. worked. <laughs> but. Alrighty. Well, we have spoken for so long. Yeah. This has easily been the longest one we've ever done. Um, I got a But thank you. Oh. Thank you so much, Lachlan. No it's worries. A pleasure, as always. Thanks for having me, guys. Awesome. Alrighty. Well, thank you guys so much for watching this week's episode of Watch Time. We will see you next week. Bye bye. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.